0: I don't need any official introduction, but I'm going to give one anyhow here. He just got back from West Coast. Of course, he graduates in May from West Coast Baptist College. Daniel just started, of course, uh, his freshman year, as we know here, of course. And Andrew, of course, just graduated from Oklahoma Christian on last Friday, of course, it was. But uh, I, the first time you heard this, I just got a letter. I got a letter last week from uh, a guy named Evangelist John Getch, a full-page, uh, handwritten letter, thanking us for sending Justin and Daniel to... The West Coast Baptist College, of course, and uh, so is, I think most of you know that Daniel Skin, or rather Justin Skin, married on July 4th. He's having, he's he's a patriot all the way. He's going to get married on July 4th out in Pennsylvania, of course, and we're really happy for him. Of course, he and. Tia Waddell, you might recognize the last name, and uh, some of us are planning to go on to be a part of that uh, celebration, of course. So, Justin, so good to have you. we we'll probably try, try to get him in at least one more time before he gets back to college in uh, January, late January it is, but Justin, you preach for us. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I first uh, ask if you uh, forgive me uh, in advance. Uh, I Just a couple days ago, I got a cold, so... If I start snotting or like, or it's all groggly, you'll know why. Uh, If you can turn with me to Psalm 31, this is Psalm 31. As we approach the Christmas season, it is Christmas, by the way, no happy holidays or merry Xmas. We know the reason for the season. We see Christmas is not just a regular holiday, but a day about Jesus Christ, about God. The world has turned Christmas into a day of selfishness, greed, and decorating. No, I like decorating. We see Christmas is very important. But How do we see God? Tonight, I have two views of our Lord that this psalmist had had when he wrote this psalm and that we need to have if we are to see God correctly and have a proper relationship with him. Let us pray. Dear Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this night, Lord, the opportunity to uh, share your word with these guys, Lord, and um, I just, I count it as a privilege uh, to be able to share what you've spoken in your word and share my thoughts about it, the thoughts that you've given to me uh, to give to them, Lord. I just pray I'll only preach what you want me to preach and that really your name will be exalted, your name will be lifted high from what I talk about and what we, uh, Pray about tonight. God, I love you. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. This is a psalm written by David, likely during the time when David's son Absalom rebelled against him. No doubt a trial in his life, which we will see as we read the psalm. And we can start off with verse 1 In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me, deliver me speedily, be thou my strong rock, for an house of defense to save me. The first view uh, that we have of God that we need to apply to our lives is seeing God as a guiding protector. We can go I'll move on to verse three. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. See, being led, being guided, is like staying in a fortress or a house. It's seeing when you're when you're a house, when you're a home, or when you're imagine a fortress, a castle, or something, it's where you are staying. Your guess your HQ, your headquarters, where you're gonna be like staying at. And while life is a journey, it's a traveling journey, we are staying with God by being in his will. They say the safest place to be is in God's will. I've heard that from many uh, veteran missionaries and everything like that. Like people say like, oh, I don't want to go Africa because there's spiders and snakes, things like that. But uh, really the safest, if you want to be in the safest place to be, it's where God wants you to be, doing God's will. And this means you keep his commandments and you look to glorify God in everything that you do. And see, when you're talking about when we're still talking about a fortress here, even when a war is going on, you won't leave the fortress because you know it's your only protection. See, I used to be in Boy Scouts. A lot of you know that. Uh, we, sometimes we'd play a game where you'd be required, were required to blindfold yourself. And something they'd do to test to see if you can see through the blindfold or not. You know, I, I was a little scout back then, and they'd go like, don't move. And they'd just punch right in my face. They wouldn't actually punch me, but they would, they would move their fist like right to my face to make sure I, wasn't, I couldn't actually see because if I saw that, I would flinch. See, but I was pretty smart though. So what I did before, okay, I knew, I knew they were gonna punch me, well, at least, you know, fake punch me. So I psyched myself up. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm, I know, I absolutely know for a fact that they're not gonna punch me. So I'm just gonna sit here, and like, I could see through my blindfold. The blindfold wasn't, you know, covering enough. But I could see it, but I'll just, I'll just, I know they're not gonna punch me, so I'll just be confident in that. And they swung, I didn't move, and they, done it, they did it again. I was like, sweet, didn't flinch. And then I moved on to my game, and I won the game, so who knew that would happen? <laughs> See, and we, we can apply this to the fortress, the house example as well, staying in God's will, because what Satan does to us, Satan tries to scare us out of God's will. We know in 1 Peter 5 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. See, the thing we, or we usually know about lions or tigers, whatever predatory cat that we don't really think about a lot of the time is when they're hunting, they're not just roaring and, you know, making a lot of noise. They're stealthy animals. I'm sure for any of you who own a cat, you know, you don't see a cat meowing before they pounce on a mouse, whatever. What Satan is doing in here, he's not, he's not out to really, like, attack you right off the bat directly. He wants to intimidate you. He's going to intimidate you a way where you get off of God's protection, scare you out of God's fortress, and try and cheat your way through God's will. When hard times come, we are tempted to take these shortcuts. We can say in our minds, the only way out of this situation is if I lie. Or, oh, you're stressed. Do what makes you feel good. I want to share the gospel, but what if the person rejects me? We have these shortcuts, and Satan Satan only has to convince you of two things. One, the fortress will not hold, and two, there's a safer place to go. And we know both of those are absolutely untrue when we're talking about God's will. If you're confident in him and his commands, you will stay in his safety. So not only does God... Uh, keep us away from danger, he also takes us away from danger. Let's move on, move on to the next verse, Psalm 31, verse 4. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. See, as sinners, as people who make mistakes, we are bound to be caught up in these nets. Because Satan is, is a powerful enemy and he's going to put us in places where we're trapped. There's, I took a... Uh, um, class last semester talking about uh, counseling life dominating problems. It's a long title, it's a long, uh, but it was, it, was, it was a good class. It was pretty simple. I had it with Dr. Getch, actually. And it was uh, a pretty simple, not very academic heavy class, but it was really practical in terms of um, taking away these, uh, these life dominating problems that you can have from sin. And a key component to that is not doing it in your own strength, but God's strength. And we can see in the second part of the verse, for thou art my strength. See, David is asking God to pull him out because he can't by himself. There's nothing inside of us that can take us away from our sin. It isn't even by a repentant heart by itself to motivate us to go away from the sin. It's purely from God because he is our strength. See, sometimes we try to motivate ourselves to stay away from sin, but the only thing that will take us out is developing a relationship with the Lord. And that's why there first needs to be repentance. That's why we have the repentance in the first place. Uh, but Then you're taking action away from sin. So maybe you need to manage your phone time. Maybe you need to be accountable to a spouse, a friend. Then pursuing godly actions to replace it. Reading your Bible, praying. Doing, doing something good for a friend, something the Holy Spirit lays in your heart? See, if, if you eat junk food, you won't have enough room for mom's cooking, right? But if you eat mom's cooking, you, have enough room, you won't have enough room to eat junk food. If you, want, if you want the good things of God, you should fill yourself up with those. If you just try and starve yourself, okay, I'm going to stay away from junk food and don't eat anything, you're going to be tempted more and more to go for that for the junk food because in our sin nature, that's what we want. We do, uh, we do know that you know, it's, that mom's cooking is best for us, but we have this inclination, this sin nature to go after things that are wrong for us. So we have, to fill, we have to consciously fill ourselves up with things that are good so we are full of the things of the flesh. Let's continue reading. Let's go on to verse 5 of this psalm. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Who here is saved? Raise your hand. I know I'm saved. Bless the Lord for that. Praise God. If you are saved, you are redeemed. And if God was both willing and able to redeem us from a place of sin, slaves to sin and save himself, and bring us to being servants of God, doesn't that give us more than enough of a reason to commit our spirits to him and follow him? When was the last time you thanked God for your salvation? I thank Brother Letourneau for, you know, Thanking the Lord for our salvation, but how about in your own prayer time? Is that something that comes up when you when you pray to Him? Does your view of God include His salvation of your soul? And for people like me, it's harder because I grew up in church and I got saved at an early age, around seven years old, and it's easy for me to take granted for that. Take that for granted. And I think anyone can take that for granted because you know Satan can convince us of almost anything if we let him. If we appreciated his saving grace more we would be more willing to commit ourselves to him. Let's move on. The next verse, Psalm 31, verse six. I have hated them that regarded lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. See, also, are you committed to the Lord enough to hate sin that stands in your way? See, there are plenty of people who do not like their sin, But do you hate sin enough to get right with God and stay as far away from that borderline as possible? I believe that those who love the Lord, not in a touchy-feely way, but with a real, reverent, and affectionate affectionate way will be willing to take off things that they may enjoy, even if it means having a closer relationship with him. Sometimes we, we prioritize really minuscule things in our lives. Maybe we have, like, you know, silly game in our phone and we think we get up in the morning, we're about to do our devotions and think like, oh, you know, I had to, you know, I don't know, get 300 coins at, you know, this time or whatever. I don't know, I don't know how all those games work, but I have to get, you know, 300, you know, 300 coins, whatever. And we can so easily be distracted from things we've got over things that really don't matter. What are the sins in your life that are not only being kept away from the Lord, but are keeping you away from the Lord. Do what it takes to get that sin out. Romans 8, 13. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. If you live after the temporary, if you live for the purpose of things that are temporary, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. If you have the Holy Spirit helping you, like saying before, you having God's help, mortify what your flesh wants to do, kill what your flesh wants to do, you shall live, and you shall live in God's will. The Lord is our guiding protector, which means He keeps us from sin and takes us away from sin. There are two signs if you see Him that way a commitment for Him and to hatred for sin. To fix it, we have to trust Him to be our guide. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and always acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It should be health to the navel and marrow to our bones. Next, the second perspective that we have uh, written here that I believe uh, David had for God is a merciful corrector. And see, there is a difference between a danger and a trial that God is allowing you to go through, which I'll be speaking about right now. God knows, for, for first, as God is a merciful corrector, God knows your trouble. Let's uh, read in verse seven here, Psalm 31. I'll be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. See, God, is, God knows what you're going through. Whenever you go through something hard, God knows what you're going through. But God knows it even more in the facts that God has an intention for it. He has a purpose for it. And every trial God places, God places in your way is for growth. So we have this view that trials from God are punishments. And we, while punishments is another way to say correction, the connotation of punishment means that, oh, I want to put you down and, you know, things that, that's the connotation to punishment. But really what God is aiming for is reconciliation, correction, for you to be better be used by him. The goal is not to put the person down but to be corrected. God uses our troubles to make the bad good and the good better. And this is out of love. And God isn't just doing this, hey, you're, you're my slave, you do what I want. Because really the best thing that God can give us is himself. If God could give us something better, he would. But God gives us himself because he knows he himself is what's best for us. So hey, Christian, I want you to follow me because this is what's best for you. You're going to be happiest this way. You're going to be most joyful this way. How we receive his correction reflects our goals in life. There are two things necessary to receive correction properly. First is knowing that you need the correction. Second is wanting to improve from it. If you get offended by someone else's critique, you do not have one or both of these. If you know you'll fall short, someone telling you so should not be a surprise. But if you want to be better, corrective criticism is a good thing for you. So if you, have, if you tend to have a hard time with criticism, you probably are missing one of these two, knowing that you need correction and <clears throat> wanting to improve from your correction. I believe that we have the same issue with our relationship with God a lot of the time. See, we can be content where we are spiritually. Look at, we look at not doing sin as a necessity. Okay, I have to not do sin. And being used in the best way possible as like an extra credit. But really... God deserves our very best. So anything that's short of our best is actually sinful because you're taking away things from God that he deserves. And being used by him as part of developing a relationship with him. Recognize that you need to be closer to God in a specific area and have a desire to improve it by Jesus being your standard. See, not only does God know our trouble, but God also controls our trouble. Let's look at the next verse, Psalm 31, verse 8. And hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy thou has set my feet in a large room. God doesn't intend the trial to destroy you. See, God is letting that happen so that you can, in some way develop your relationship with Him. But Justin, there's just something I'm going through that right now that I really can't overcome. If you think that way, you're probably right. You know about more. You know more about yourself than every person in this room, and our sin has made us all weak. Let us keep reading the psalm, though. Let's continue on in verse 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, into fear of mine acquaintance, that they did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man. Out of mind, I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. See, you might count as nothing in the world's standards, and you might have the whole world against you, But God is willing and able to empower you to overcome anything God allows you to go through if we just put our trust in him. It is a trust that is the reason God puts us through the trial in the first place. When you trust him more and more, our relationship strengthens. And that's really the purpose of of our trial. As a blacksmith would pound on some red steel for it to harden or shape it in the right fashion, so is God doing in your life so you can be fit for him. However, Satan will use this opportunity, as we said before, to try and scare you out of his protection. If you trust God, you will also trust his commandments. And as I said before, don't try and get the shortcut out by sinning. Stay in God's word. If you want to be in God's will, first, you know, obey what the Bible says. Let's move on. Let's uh, read Psalm 31, verse 15. "My My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. See, before we had, I'll be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, earlier in this uh, psalm, and then we, had, then we had, have mercy upon me. And now also we have in this verse, and save for thy mercy's sake. Oh, I read, I read ahead. I'll get to that later. We all know, say looking at verse 15, we all know that we are safe in God's hands, but how much does that affect us? It is a difference between our head knowledge and our heart knowledge. What we let change us is going to change us. Not just what we know in our head, but really what we let change us is laid in our heart. If we really knew in our hearts that God had the power to bring us through every trial, coming to him in prayer would be our first instinct rather than trying to do it in our own power. Do you ask, how do I get out? Or do you ask, what can God get out of this? Do you say, I can't overcome because it's too much for me? Or do you say, God can overcome because he can work through me? Or do you ask, what can I do? Or rather, do you ask, what would Jesus do? Now let's go on to verse 16. I apologize. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. So he had these uh, examples of mercy in this, uh, in this psalm here. And We know, a lot of us are familiar, Uh, the word grace means that we are receiving something that we don't deserve. And mercy is that we don't receive what we do deserve. Do you realize that every breath you take is completely dependent on God's mercy? God is a loving God. He loves us with an infinite love more than we can comprehend, but he's also holy. And our sin, every time we do a little sin, a little white lie, a any bad thought about another person, it it's disgusting to him. It's gross to him. If you think about the things that make you uncomfortable, like maybe you are sitting next to a weird person on a subway train or something like that. And that's nothing compared to what God like sees from your sin. But he, he looks beyond that sin and he knows who you are. He created you and he loves you with an infinite love despite that. And that's a source of his mercy there. See, our attitude in prayer can be, why am I going through this? I don't deserve to be treated this way. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be wrong, but you deserve much worse, honestly. And we all do. Don't look at your trial the wrong way. It is an opportunity to look toward his face. And you're looking at this verse here, to look towards his face and have his face shine on us. Hebrews thirteen five says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have." For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. See, the Lord is our merciful corrector, which means he knows and uses our trouble and he controls our trouble. Here are two signs, and there are two signs if you see in that way, an instinct for prayer and a humility in prayer. To fix it, we have to trust him to be our corrector. James chapter one, verses two through six says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall in diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith Worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. If we want to improve on these two views of God as our guiding protector and the merciful corrector, we will begin seeing God in a way that makes us bold in our belief. Let's move on to verse 17 now in Psalm 31. Verse 17. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed. and Let them be silent in the grave. See, are you ashamed of God? The pursuits of the world uh, only lead to the grave. The, prophet, the prophets of the religions around us are now in the grave. But we have a person named Jesus Christ that not only paid for our sins by dying on the cross, but showed us his power over death itself by raising out of the grave that third day. Those dead things have no power. And after you become saved, they do not need to ring in your ear anymore. Let God's word ring in your ear instead. Romans 5 5 says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein ye stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, this is, we have this protection with our God, Lord Jesus. We're justified, therefore we have peace, and in the grace wherein we stand, we have this protection, as we're talking about. Then reading on, verse 3 here, and says, but not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. So we see God's working through tribulations too. We see God's protection in tribulations. And Paul, when he was writing this psalm, he he had a realization of who God was. They realized God's protection is working through trials. Moving on through this chapter, Romans 5 still, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, as as we let God work in us, we will see him do amazing things with our lives, and there will be no reason to be ashamed of him then if we've seen God's working. And we can say, like, oh, well, no, I, I want to have, uh, have an unconditional faith to God. Well, rather, we should have, have faith in God always, but we shouldn't have faith based on nothing, right? And we're, if we're having a real faith of God, if we're dependent on God, we're relying, we're relying on God to show us those things that we can have faith on him with. And if we develop our relationship with him, we grow with him, we will see those things as he works with us. Let's read on now, verse 18, Psalm 31. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. But thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications, my necessities, when I cried unto thee. What are you doing today to be closer to God? What sin are you taking out? Do you realize your need for God enough to pray and read his word every day? When was the last time you shared the gospel with a friend, a co-worker, a family member? Not only is this the loving thing to do for another person, if you claim to care about this person, but it, is also, it also shows that you are thankful and proud of your heavenly father. Going on to this, this next verse, verse 23, O love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Not a pride in pride of ourselves, but we are not ashamed of God, we are Proud of God, think about how you're proud of your son where, you know if you're, if you 're an heir of, with Jesus Christ of God, you have all to be thankful for and appreciative of God about moving on next our last verse here, be of good courage and he that stre- uh, and be, be of good courage and he shall strengtheneth your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. We see that we need to trust God to be our protector and corrector, but trust needs two things: loving God, and we 're looking at this verse twenty three which involves faithfulness and taking action with having pride in God, but then also being confident in him. So we need need to love God, which, you know, love requires being faithful and really enjoying God and being appreciative of God as we're doing it, and then being confident in him as we do it. And looking at verse 24, in turn, we will grasp who our God is in a much better way, and he will strengthen our hearts and having a, just a greater perspective on him. If you all want to bow your heads. If there's something that I spoke on in the message, just perhaps maybe uh, the area of sin and taking care of sin, or um, regarding um, maybe soul winning, sharing the gospel, having a missions mindset, I just pray you'd bring that to the Lord now, and if uh, Pastor, you want to finish me up, you can.
0: Lord, help us to trust you, Lord. You're the creator of all the heavens and the earth, Lord, and we can certainly trust you taking care of us, Lord, and pray you bless in our moments of reflection and invitation. Thank you for this wonderful psalm. Thank you for the presentation. Pray that you speak to our hearts, dear God. Help us to put our faith and trust in you. We pray. In Christ's name I ask. Amen. Let's all stand up.